This is just a smidge more with Brandy Henson. I'm Holly Stillings, and this is everything you want to know without an appointment. This is a weekly podcast where medical profession and real life collide. All right, guys, thanks for joining us for another episode of Just a Smidge More. I'm Holly Stillings. I'm here with Brandy Henson. Hello. And Dr. Blakian. Hello. The great Dr. Blakian. Oh, I'll take that. Now we can add that to your... We've seen the results. Oh, they're awesome. <laughs> it's amazing. The results are here. They're in. You're staring at it. Yeah, we're staring at it. We have been for the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm really proud of it. You look beautiful. looks amazing. Thank you. It I'm looks very excited. so awesome. So Dr. Blakian's philosophy with facelift surgeries is for the patients to look very natural with minimal signs of aging and to look lifted but not pulled. And that is exactly what you look like. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen a couple brow lifts now and different facial surgeries. I mean, this is this is incredible. Yeah, yeah it's and, really good. And that's what people think a, a lift is supposed to look pulled. And it's not really no. when we're talking about brows. It's about recontouring the brows, right? Yes. It's not necessarily lifting. It's about setting them, taking the tension off the brows. So they look natural. They're in the right position. Yes. So you're not spending your day trying to lift your brows out of the way. Well, and I feel like I can tell sometimes now, now being in this field and having this experience and seeing everything that we see, like I see brow lifts all the time now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh. They had a brow mm-hmm. lift, yeah. and that's not a good one. Correct. And, yeah. I mean, <laughs> let is me this, give you a business card. <laughs> yeah, is is this part of your life now? Yeah, I mean, we do so many revisions and kind of debunk the idea of what a brow lift is. Uh huh. You know, the name isn't great, right? Brow lifts yeah. suggest you're going to lift it back up, right? But that's not what it's about. Our brows don't age vertically down; they kind of slide down at an angle. Yeah. And so when we're really recontouring the brows, we're not trying to lift them straight up. That's not what a brow lift is. Done the right way. It's about setting them back at an angle outside. So it lifts them gently, puts them back where they were 10 or 15 years ago. And you know, most surgeons, unfortunately, still are in the habit of lifting straight up and trying to tighten them. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, what we do is very natural without pulling, but releasing the brow so it sits in the right position. It looks so good. Every time I see her, I'm like, you look younger and younger and younger. And she really looks like she could be like 28 right now. That's amazing. I'll take that. No, I'm dead serious. And I was a little, I'm going to be really honest. I was a little on the fence because I was like, do you really need this? I mean, I think you look great. And, but now I do see it. Now I'm like, I want it too. You were (laughs) never a real friend that told me you were on the fence. I was on the fence. No, I told you, I said, you should do what makes you happy, but you, I don't think you need it. But you have to say that. You're my friend. No, I would tell you the truth. And I'm saying it right now. And I, but this looks amazing. Now, you, do you need a brow lift? Yeah, I think everyone might so be going after this. I know, right? That's awesome. Well, I, you know, I know where you're coming from because I had that same sense too. Brandy comes; she's a gorgeous patient. Yeah, I was really, like, do you really need this? Yeah, and so sometimes it's not about need; it's about okay. Well, what is the benefit, right? Mm-hmm. If we can do something that benefits and. Brandy hereditarily had heaviness to her brows and her upper eyelids that was different than a lot. So it was less about anti-aging for her, and it was Mm -hmm. more about hereditarily lifting some of that heaviness off so we could see all the other gorgeous features, all these, you know, the beautiful eyes and everything else. That's the one thing I, so with, after the surgeries, I've been like, I've never noticed how blue your eyes are. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you look, it looks incredible. Thanks, because you can see them now. You can see them now. <laughs> You're not swollen. 
You're a little swollen. Still a little swollen. I mean, and yeah. let's, I, we want to tell the truth. You were very <laughs> swollen after, like, I you was know. looking at some of the pictures yes, there, yesterday of, like, the day two, day three. Uh-huh. That, I think, was the worst. Well, wait, let's start with it. Dr. Blakey, tell us, remind everyone every, what you've done with Brandy. Gotcha. Go through every piece of it. So it was really about rejuvenating her upper face, which is her eyes and her brow. So we did something called a minimal access four-point brow lift. So, again, that's recontouring the brows into the proper position with four tiny little incisions uh, that can't be seen back kind of behind the hairline. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was the first thing to kind of unravel the heaviness of the brow. Then we did a revision upper lid blepharoplasty, Mm -hmm. an upper eyelid surgery. And you've had that done before. You had it done about three years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, somewhere else. Okay, Mm -hmm. somewhere else. And uh, what I noticed when I saw her in our consultation, that it was less about the excess skin, but it was about the deeper tissues in her eyelids that needed to be kind of uh, recontoured as well. So we took out a little bit of skin for her, but it was really about going a little deeper and removing some of the excess muscles, the excess fats. Now, 99% of the time that I'm doing an upper blepharoplasty and an eyelid surgery, I am only removing the skin. But for her in particular, we were able to curtail and really make a procedure that would make her eyes look the way she was hoping they would look. Mm -hmm. So that's what led to a little bit more of the swelling too. It was a little deeper surgery than most for the eyelids and it was a revision. We also did a lower eyelid skin pinch, Mm -hmm. which means we just roll up the skin of the lower eyelid and cut that out without cutting on the muscles of the eyelid, without taking out fats of the lower eyelid. And is that on the inside? Or on the outside? It's on the outside. Okay. No, look, you can't even see the incision. That They're is right there. wild. Right Isn't it pretty wild? That is wild. You can't even see it. Less than a millimeter away from the lash line is wow. kind of where that incision is made. So you Looks really good. will never see it. Looks great. Well, mm-hmm. Thank you. And then we finished it all off with a little laser. You topped it off. Yeah, it's cherry on top. Cherry on top. <laughs> yeah, and a little more. Yeah, when she came yeah. in, she's like, oh, yeah, CO2. I was like, oh, I didn't know you were going to get. Can we do that? that in the yeah, I was like, I, I want that. Great. Your eyes are going to swell up. Well, and it, and I was so surprised how fast you recovered from that as well. Because, you know, at, right after we saw the pictures, the day after I saw the pictures, Trav sent us the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what she's looking like. Well, you posted pictures. Yeah, You're very you honest and open. And it was like, oh, wow, that looks like that. That really hurts, but actually it, it healed so fast. My face, very minimal pain at all. It yeah. was just more swollen and yeah. tight, like tight. My eyes felt tight. Yeah. So. And you should look, you know, a little beat up after surgery to the you eyes, should. right? Like yes. it's supposed to be. But mm-hmm. we've taken, you know, one of the things I'm most proud of in what we do for our practice is our techniques have been really good for a long time. For the past two years, it's all a bit about getting the swelling down faster, making mm-hmm. the patient experience easier. So... Even though there's a lot of swelling, hopefully it was a little easier for you than it would have been, you know, five, 10 years ago. What are some things that you've learned in all of your years uh, in the surgery room? Like, what do you do? Yeah. So swelling, we don't give as much fluid to Uh our patients during surgery because that you tend to shift fluids after surgery. Mm -hmm. So the less fluid you give, the easier the recovery there. Um, Very minimal access incisions, right? So we're not making big cuts on the skin. Skin tends to want to swell up a lot using very gentle techniques and the highest end instruments that we have 
for cautery, for all those things also keeps the swelling down significantly. Mm -hmm. And then we make the experience great by putting long-term numbing medicines in. So that keeps the headaches away for the first 24 hours, things like that. Oh, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And we also do narcotic-free general anesthesia. So you don't need narcotics during surgery because that can numb you up so much. So you don't wake up with the nausea and vomiting you would Mm -hmm. normally expect. Yeah. We talked about Brandy's nausea and vomit. She did have that because she is very prone to that. sensitive to Through her C-sections and we decided she's had in there like, I'm you're very special. I agree with that. <laughs> she's very I'll special. Put you in a special category. <laughs> now, do you always like to do a brow lift with the bluffs? Yeah, it's a great question. And we've had a lot of patients asking about this. Yeah, I think what I would say is patients should expect a brow lift more often than they think they need it. Mm-hmm. Most of my patients come in and they say, I just need my upper eyelids done. But then all of a sudden we look and the excess skin on the outside part of the eyelid is sagging down mm-hmm. or there's this heaviness to the brow that they're trying to lift up by using the muscles of their forehead the entire time. And I have to point out to them that, hey, we have to get the brow out of the way first, get that skin unraveled before we can cut out the excess. I tell people it's kind of like an accordion, right? Mm-hmm. If it's folded over itself and you're just trimming the bottom of the accordion, it still looks folded. That's true. You have to unravel the accordion first so you can take out the right amount of skin. And then tell us about the CO2 lasering under the eye. Yeah, it's a great way to kind of resurface the wrinkles. Sometimes we do what we did for Brandy, which is we cut out the skin and that removes the excess skin, but then we have to resurface and improve the texture, the crepiness of the skin. Mm-hmm. So CO2 is like a heat stamp, right? You, I push a little button, a little stamp comes out, and it vaporizes the top layer of skin. It contracts the lower layers of skin, starts building collagen. So it's really helping the composition of the skin after we've taken out the excess. What do you think the most difficult part of your surgery was? With Dr. Blakian on the back end. The fact that you couldn't see right away? I think so. And it was just from the ointment in my eye. Mm -hmm. But all I could see was shadows. And it made me, I think I was already not feeling good. So I think it made it a little bit worse. But just that. And then for the first few days, the swelling, not being able to close my eye fully. Yeah. That's a weird feeling. It's yeah. like a what weird does it feeling feel to like? Up. It feels like what? Like it I, feels almost like someone put my hair into pigtails and pulled really tight, yeah. very <laughs> tight pigtails, like really tight ponytail. Yeah. Um, but I like it. And now that I can sort of move my brows, I'm like, oh man, it was so tight and shiny. It's up there. very tight. Yeah. yeah. I don't think you're gonna need Botox anytime he soon. He said I could do Botox now. Yeah. I'll give it a few more days. To four, weeks. four weeks. Four weeks after weeks. surgery, you're good to do Botox oh, yeah, again. See? And you're three weeks out. Approximately Thursday. You got a little way to go. You got a little (laughs) ways to go. I won't. I'm listening. Um, How long did my surgery take? Uh, Your surgery took about an hour and a half of my, from start to surgery to end of my portion of the surgery. Did you do the same time Dr. Free was doing it? Yeah, that's a really cool part. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't and know I even he let had him choose the music. Break. I let him choose the music. What? Oh, yeah. He what started. music did we have? I was kind of at his mercy. <laughs> uh, what music did we have? I think it was probably Kygo. My guess would be Kygo. Kygo. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Of course. So, For eight hours. Like, we talked about <laughs> For eight hours. For eight hours. But yeah, so the beautiful thing that Dr. Fru and I t- do together is combo surgery where we're operating at the same time. And that really helps cut down the amount of surgery time our patients need, mm-hmm. the amount of anesthesia. Um, it saves on costs as well. Yeah. Um, and it's he's a great guy. So I just love being in the OR and, and talking with him, seeing what he's doing. He sees what I'm doing. And uh, that's it's a wild. Check and balance. What you if someone moves the wrong way? The like, do you have your do you do you have your rules in place? Like, I mean, obviously you you hired Dr. Fru right to work with you. Yes. And so 
how do you go about picking that person? Yeah, it's a great question. I always knew I wanted to bring on an amazing body plastic uh-huh. surgeon to join my practice. For 16 years, I was looking for somebody and there really wasn't anybody that kind of fit the mold that I wanted. An mm-hmm. excellent surgeon who was diligent, who cared about his or her work uh, and always wanted to improve. And, and who was extremely anal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and who's super nice to the staff, right? Uh-huh. I'm running a business. Yes. So you got to make sure everyone's... Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he, I met him you know, out and about, saw him operate. And I was like, all right, this guy's got superstar all over him. Mm-hmm. So you got to watch him for a little bit. Oh yeah. Bit. I got mm-hmm. to watch him. I, he, he didn't know I was watching yeah. him, but I was yeah. watching him. And, uh, and then when the time came, it was, uh, you know, no brainer for my part. And I'm, I'm you know, blessed that he, uh, he decided to join our practice cause he, he made us all better. Yeah. He makes me better too. That's the fun part of having another yeah. surgeon in the practice is yeah. we challenge each other and uh, we check each other's work, call each other out on things that uh, we think we can improve on. And that's how we make progress. That's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. I thought it's, I think it's really cool that you guys can do surgeries together mm-hmm. because yeah, that is that's nice. amazing because had I not done them together, I don't know if I would have done both of them. You know what? I don't know if I'd want to go under anesthesia twice. So she went home and day to day was cataloging her <laughs> events. <laughs> and uh, being in her small friend group, we yeah. were getting a lot of great pictures. <laughs> awesome. I don't really remember the first two or Who three Who are you days. showing off more, my work or his work? I'm sure Bo? it's his work. Both. <laughs> Apparently, I sent a few boob pictures to some friends. But, but It happens. But it happens. Yeah. It happens. And if you don't remember it, it right? Well, and I didn't see her, so she She left town conveniently to Mammoth. (laughs) I went to Mammoth, but then I came back and I saw her seven days later and we went to lunch and she, I, it was wild because I really couldn't imagine what she was going to look like because I thought she looked great, but I was like, wow, you really do look good. You look, I mean, you're beat up. And when we went to, we went to Shabu and when we went to Shabu, the lady kind of looked at us like, Oh my God, what happened to her? Like, like, felt bad for me. She's okay. She meant to do this. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, But you have to have the right mindset. You have to have your eye on the prize and you have to know you're going to go through this evolution of being like, Oh my gosh, this was a lot. Or I, I, I look beat up. Is this going to go back to normal? Am I going to change? Are my eyes going to stay like this? And I think that's a very natural progression, especially when you do something to the face, right? Correct. Everyone goes through a different journey, right? Mm -hmm. We all have different bodies, different physiology, and that road to recovery is a long one. And everyone has different potholes and turns and things like that, right? For Brandy, the slowdown was the not being able to close the eyes fully Mm -hmm. or being really swollen. But that was because it was a revision and we had to go deeper. That's not the normal case for most Mm -hmm. people that she felt that tight, but that's what was necessary for her recovery to get the result we want. And everyone goes through it. Some people will come to me and two friends will have the same surgery and Mm -hmm. they're like, well, I had so much more swelling than this one, or she Mm -hmm. had so much more pain than I did. Why is that? It's because we're not all made of the same material, right? right? We all have a different journey and Mm -hmm. it's important to have a surgeon you like Mm -hmm. that you can go on that road and know that they're going to help guide you through those potholes and the recovery and get you to the right place. And uh, that's something we love to do. So this was our today when you came in for your post-op appointment with Dr. Balakian, we did see Dr. Balakian about what, uh, maybe seven days ago? 
yeah. week and a half ago yeah. for yeah, your first well, one. I've only had. And you had your staples taken out on oh, yeah. that first yeah. appointment. Correct. So when you do the brow lift, you yeah. do, tell us a little bit about that. Because I was so fascinated that she had staples. Yeah. No, it is interesting. Most of my patients in the last two weeks want to see my incisions up there. I yeah. know. It's interesting. One lady's like, can I try to find where the staples were? I'm like, dig yeah. away. Go yeah. ahead. Exactly. That's my point is, you know, yeah. you tell me first. You know, people hear staples and think, oh, that's not good. And I'll explain to in a second why that is good or why we need it there. But you tell me, based on the incision, the way it looks now, where the staples are, how does the incision look? It, I, I don't even see it. Yeah. And it, you're like, you're like, it's going to just flatten out and you won't, it's just going to be perfect. I don't yes. even think I feel anything. So it looks amazing. When we do the brow lift, there are four little incisions that are about a centimeter long, mm -hmm. and we hide them behind the hairline. But because we hide them behind the hairline so so far back, we don't have to cut any hair, we don't shave any hair, you don't lose any hair. But to do that, if I tried to put stitches in that afterwards, there's a great risk of me catching the hair with the sutures and pulling them in. So oh, we don't want that. So since there's no tension on those stitch lines because we're not cutting out skin, when we use staples, it avoids any risk of pulling hair into the incision line and puts the, the skin incisions right where they should be. And they always heal beautifully in that area because there's no tension on it. So mm -hmm. that's the only reason we use the staples for the brow lift mm -hmm. only and only in the area behind the hair. Do you use them for everyone, all your brow lifts? Pretty much all my brow lifts, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes I, I make a decision to, to use sutures there if I feel like I can get the hair out mm -hmm. uh, significantly, but most of the time it's a staple. But did it hurt? No. No. But and you can generally staple the scalp. Yeah. And you, like when I worked in the ER, if they had scalp blocks mm -hmm. and yeah. it was in the hair, I would staple it. Exactly right. But the, Do you use the same type of staple gun? There's different sizes. Yeah, they're different sizes. We use okay. A, we I'll use show you. I gotta I say, mean, you're not going to hang your we Christmas lights with this staple gun. Staple. <laughs> she is obsessed with the staple. She's well, been fascinating. She's I don't know. It's so interesting. Yeah. And like when you're when you're on when Brandy's on the table and you're looking at this and you're how do you know that do you go by the brow line like this looks equal? Yeah, really good question. So it all comes down to marking, uh -huh. right? First of all, I mark you when you're sitting up, and I kind of draw arrows in the directions I want to recover everything, but it's really dependent on skill. You, you, you have to use all your experience as a surgeon. I've been doing this for 20 plus years yeah. to know and listen to the tissues as weird as this sounds while you're operating. They talk to you. You have to know how to respond to them and put them in the right position. And that only comes from extensive experience and having done so many that you know the subtleties without even thinking about them. Yeah. But you can tell. You can tell you've done this for a long time. Oh, I can even tell. even in pre-op, he came in with like his uh, few little Sharpies, did some drawings, and he's like, this is going to be amazing. And, <laughs> yeah. and I didn't even question it because I had no doubt. Well, and I thought that with your first post-op appointment because he came in and he was like, yeah, you're looking great. We're just going to take these stipples yeah. out. And I was like, always oh. <laughs> hold on. Let me watch this. I was like, yeah. okay, let's see where this goes. And then today, I mean, and you were right. She was a little pulled when before the staples came right. out. And once you took those staples out, it did release a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then now, every day, I every get day a little, it releases yeah. more and more and more. And like, I like it because I don't see her for a week and then I'll see her again. And I think you really notice it and it just looks so good. It, it looks amazing. Now, the incisions that you do on the top yes. that are, well, I have little widow's peaks, but 
You do them in front of the hairline. Correct. How come you don't do them in the back? I've had a few patients ask me, and I kind of conjectured, but I said I would ask because I wasn't yeah. sure. So another way of thinking what we're doing is an endoscopic style brow lift where we make small little incisions. And historically, the top incisions for an endoscopic brow lift go kind of vertically, all right? But when you cut, make that cut vertically, it puts the um, hair follicles at a little bit more risk. And so you'll see thicker scars in that area. It's not a natural line. Yeah. So, and for people who have a high forehead and it goes further back, the further back you go to make that incision, the more curve you have to get around to get to, to the brow. I was right. So, I, said, yeah, I, was, I said about the hair follicles. Mm -hmm. And since we're not cutting out skin, those skin incisions, even though they're just access points, they always kiss really well together, mm -hmm. the two edges of the skin. So they always heal great. I've never had to do a revision on any of those incisions because they fall in the natural horizontal lines of our forehead. They're really not seen and there's no tension on them. So they don't heal with keloids or mm -hmm. thick scarring. How did you get her brow lift not to bruise? Like she really didn't yeah. bruise. Like how is that possible? Uh, just, you know, Experience. Te technique. <laughs> and so one. You were listening to the, those tissues. Right, I was listening to those You're tissues. You're like, don't bruise, don't bruise today, me. guys. Don't bruise me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, yeah, just the way you inject makes, makes a big difference. Making sure you're in the right surgical plans when mm -hmm. you operate. All those little things lead to a good result. So what about her recovery? Is there anything that you're not, you weren't expecting with Brandy? Like everything went pretty. Yeah. Everything went pretty much as I as expected. You know, I expected to put a bunch of uh, ointment in her eyes because <laughs> yeah. she was a revision. When you do a revision eyelid, it's going to have that tight uh, feel for a little while. So, Oh, really? Just with revisions? Even just if, even if I just did a revision on oh, her. Oh, okay. Because you're, you're, taking out an area where it's already tight mm -hmm. that you oftentimes have to put a lot more ointment in just to make sure the eye stays nice and moist. And I think your vision was the worst like day two. And then by day three, it started to get better, right? Yeah. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. Yeah. yeah. It's more clear. Like Because that can be clear. scary. And that is the reason why we're doing this is to, you really wanted to be completely open about your surgery yeah. and what you're experiencing front end, back end, when it can be uh, mentally you know, taxing yeah. on your system, which is usually like day three, I think. I would say day three was the hardest. Uh -huh. But I mean, even now looking back, like I'm thankful for that ointment because it kept my eyes moisturized. Yeah. And it, but at the time, like, but if and I have a weird thing with my eyes anyway. But if people don't talk about it, then they're like, oh, my gosh, what's going on with me? I'm going to freak out, you know. And, yeah. and so it is good to be completely open about all these yeah. things. Yeah. And it just felt tight. And I actually like that tight feeling now. <laughs> she wants so it back. I don't want right. it to go away. <laughs> no, listen, any surgeon that tells you every recovery is going to be absolutely 100% perfect mm -hmm. is not telling the full truth. Everyone has sure. little lips, little dips and things like that. The most important thing, the reason you had a good recovery overall, and it's because Brandy's in the industry, you followed the instructions, right? Yeah. Like there's a reason surgeons say follow these instructions. It's different for each surgeon because they do different surgeries. Yeah. So just by you following our instructions, set you up for success. Did so thank you, you for doing that. Did you hear that? I know. I'm I, shocked. She, I, I actually think you're, you're being really nice. <laughs> I, you know what? I mean, I think you're just being really nice. <laughs> All right. Well, you'll give me the lowdown later. I mean, she didn't yeah, I, that's why I'm like, wow, know, he Dr. really pulled out a miracle here. Well, you came in all excited. Dr. Fruit came in like I was at the principal's office yeah, or something. I was like, I, was like Ooh, I really was trying to follow directions. Yes. It was bad. You but follow directions. I do. Yeah. I have been good. Kind yeah. of. Kind and of. Pretty good. 
pretty good. I can't good. even frown at you right now. I no, would. I know. Pretty good. So how long until her face completely settles, would you say? And I know everyone is different, but like, right. what is the estimated time so frame? Generally, what I tell patients, again, at 10 days, you can put makeup on. Uh, so that's when most people feel like they can go back to work. Mm-hmm. Six weeks is usually where 75% of the swelling is gone and you feel like you can go back to an event where your photo is going to be taken and where your results with pride, not mm-hmm. worry that it looks swollen. So six weeks is a good marker uh, for events, but it truly takes six months to a year for the body to fully heal. Mm-hmm. Any scar on the body anywhere is going to take that much time to fully mature. So that's why, you know, we do a lot of our before and afters at three months because you're about 95% of the way there and it mm-hmm. looks awesome. But six months to a year is when uh, you'll really see the final results. What are you doing the most of right now? So total facial rejuvenation Uh is kind of what I do the most of, which is uh, combining a deep plain facelift most of the time, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, with other parts of facial rejuvenation to make sure everything's harmonious and balanced. So we do facelift with a brow lift with the upper eyelids and Mm -hmm. a little bit of fat transfer and laser. Mm -hmm. And so when we're treating the three ways of aging, gravity, volume loss and texture changes to the skin. Mm We're really getting people to look like themselves, look rejuvenated. Uh, it's a wow factor. That's the wow factor. And that's, it really is. that's really what I do more than anything. Every day I start with a big surgery where we're really kind of getting things back into place so they look like themselves, but mm-hmm. look, look happy. What's the average age for that? Like a total face rejuvenation? Yeah. It, it's, it's probably getting younger and it's younger, It's getting right? younger and yeah. younger. So it always used to be kind of 55 mm-hmm. plus and that was when techniques weren't quite as dialed in. So there were always little signs of a facelift, right? Like a pulled yeah. earlobe or something like that. You see scarring in front of the Correct. ears a lot. But now with our method and the way we do our extensive deep plane facelift, pretty much scars have been eliminated. Yeah. The stigmata of a facelift have been eliminated. So now patients in their late 40s are coming and saying, well, I got these jowls. Like if you have jowls and you have neck bands and I can improve them, the age doesn't matter as much because now we can lift you up, not have a sign of aging and you can love it in your late forties too. Even so, longer. Yeah. Oh, so I need another, I need to come back in I'm not saying years. you need that. And not everybody's <laughs> a candidate. That would put me at 50. Oh, yeah. If you waited eight years to do something again, I'd be shocked. You're probably going to want to cut, cut off come. right now. You are cut <laughs> off. You are. You yeah. are really cut I've off. I've hit my quota for a little bit. But I know you, and you're going to be like, oh, man, this looks so good. Okay, what if I just need this done, too? Well, I feel like it because I look at faces all day long. Mm-hmm. So, And then I look in the mirror, and we've got those big lighted mirrors in the office, and you get a little too close, and it is not a good situation. Mm-hmm. So I feel like when I'm staring at faces all day, and then I look at mine, I'm like, oh, wait, I have this, I have this. And then, it, you know, it's... Yeah. I get One it. thing to another, I yep. guess. So in the next couple months, what does she need to be aware of? Like, she, what's the healing journey now for her? Right. What does she need to stay away from? So sometimes this is the hardest part of the recovery is the right. patience, the right. tincture of time. Yeah. Right. So part of it is just being patient, knowing your body is going to kind of swell one day and then go down the other day and it's not going to be a linear progression. So that's the mm-hmm. first thing is just patience. Uh, and, you know, other than that, just go back to all your normal activity. You can do everything like normal. Forget about it. And, uh, you know, send me a selfie when you're you're when loving healed. it and you healed <laughs> up and saying, hey, I look awesome. I love yeah. it. What about skincare and everything? You could go back to just all your same products. And yeah. are you back to that now? I am. Just doing your normal skincare mm-hmm. routine and everything. Not scrubbing because my forehead still feels a little weird mm-hmm. when I touch it. So I haven't scrubbed. What does it feel really? like? It feels numb. 
in her post-op, you were saying how sometimes patients can feel, yeah. you know what I'm Twinges talking about, Twin, but in like different areas, like if you touch one area, mm-hmm. you feel like it's in another area. Yeah. Whenever we do a brow lift. So interesting. We're kind of, you break up the little microfibers of sensation to that mm-hmm. area. And it's like taking carpeting off the flooring and then you put the carpet back down. It's got to reconnect. And that process of connecting the little nerve fibers back down sends out some weird electro uh, currents that are like shorts. right? Yeah. So you'll scratch your head in one spot and you'll feel it somewhere else mm-hmm. or it'll be really that numb so in an area. Interesting. Or all of a sudden in the middle of the night, you'll have like a little scratch attack and be like, oh, I just need to itch, itch, itch. And that's all part of have the Have you had process. any of that? Um, I had like little mostly just numbness but I can start to feel a little bit more in my forehead it feels mm-hmm. less numb than the top of my head but I have had where it like would twinge in the back I'm like wait that's weird it's weird. That we didn't do anything so back weird. there yeah. so but I knew that was normal because I've had other surgeries so yeah and it'll always come back yeah the other thing to add to your routine that we didn't talk about is a nice scar gel afterwards so I've, mm-hmm. I've been using the yeah. biocornean awesome that's the I stuff we love I used the one with, with sunscreen and it burned my eyeballs really? i was like i had to rinse them out but okay. i have been using that i use the one with sunscreen on the top and on this one and then underneath i just use the one without sunscreen yeah. mm-hmm. so scar therapy when do you generally start that at what day and how long do you treat the scarring yeah so i kind of start at three weeks okay. after surgery three or four weeks is when i like to so i got a head start yeah you got a little head start <laughs> exactly she always um, does <laughs> yeah and three months is good you okay. know at that point it's done what it needs to do you know the scar gel companies will tell you to keep using it but in my experience after three months of using it it's done what it needs to do you have okay. to protect it from the sun as yeah. well right like mm-hmm. don't go to cabo and sit out there baking in the sun and let yeah. those new baby no. skin cells get Mm-mm. get pigmented so I just protect it that way. Now, when would you suggest doing like other things for scar besides like gel or creams, like microneedling or like BBLing, like IPL laser to pull color? When do you suggest to do that? About three months as well. Three months. At three months, you're good to go with all those things. Well, you're looking awesome. So what is your booking schedule look like? Like how far are you guys booking now? For people who are listening, they've been wanting to make the call. Um, yeah. We talk to people all the time and they're like, I, I really want to do this. And now we just go, just call, go get your consult, start yeah. the process. And that's great advice. You know, that's the best thing to do is come in, see me. I never rush a consult. Mm-hmm. It's it's goal to me to sit there and meet a new patient, find out what their goals are, what their motivations are, and really come up with a bespoke plan for them of what they need. And we'll give you the different options of kind of the big deal, you know, the blue play special versus mm-hmm. the, the wow curt- factor. Yeah, the wow factor, and kind of go from there. Depending on how long the surgeries are, we're booking out right now into July for one of my surgery centers and into, I think, October, November for mm-hmm. another one. So we're a good six months to a year okay. booked out, but uh, we tend to think we're worth the wait. Sure. And it's because yeah. we don't rush things. We don't rush things in the surgery. We don't rush things in the consults. We don't rush things in follow-up. So we really take our time, but that's what a patient wants. So yeah. I think that it, I think what is so amazing, I know I've talked about this before, is that you do not look too pulled right now in your week three yeah and i thought for sure i was like you know you're gonna probably look a little crazy for six months but you don't and it's really really incredible happy it looks so good i have a funny story and i don't think i said this in the last podcast because the first week was a little fuzzy but i went so lexi brought me you brought me 
not to my post-op. Lexi mm-hmm. brought me the next day. Mm-hmm. So the next day I went to the office. She had a few patients. I had to go to the office with her because oh, yes. she was bringing oh, yes. me to the post-op. I just, they let me mix my own IV bag. I, I don't know what was <laughs> happening at the office. I don't remember a lot of it, but I remember her having a patient who's actually having a facelift with you right. soon. And she was nervous about it. And, and Lexi's like, oh, Brandy's here. I just roll in there with my head wrap and IV. And we have a whole conversation about it. And she actually messaged me after. She's like, I feel so much better. You actually look so great one day post-op. So, I I mean, I didn't remember the whole conversation. You had your flying nun um, <laughs> look going on. And yeah, she's still going to do surgery after seeing all that yeah, stuff. That's yeah. a good sign. She's, she's so, a good patient. Yeah. Sign her up. I'm like, I probably would have ran. Like, if I would have seen someone roll in with like, looking like that day one. But it's, I mean, it's what it is. That's the reality mm-hmm. of what post-op day one surgery looks yeah, like. Yeah, for sure. So. And then what about working out? She's good. She could work out right now. Yeah. So at two weeks, you can do cardiovascular exercise. Mm-hmm. That's good. Get your heart rate up until, you know, like zone two mm-hmm. is good. Um, at four weeks and at two weeks, you can also start doing upper body weights, you know, and just get some like dumbbells and work on your arms if you want. Uh, but really you got to wait four weeks before you're doing, you know, heavy, uh, lifting and things like that, squats, deadlifts, any plyometric exercises. When we do facelifts, it doesn't you know, apply to you here, but when we do facelifts, we say six weeks before yoga, Pilates, mm-hmm. massage table, anything where you're inverting your head. You know, so you'll be good to go four weeks though. Yeah, it looks yeah. great. So good. You're a master. Well, thank you. I appreciate you guys. <laughs> thank you. Dr. Verlakey I mean, and the face master. Yep. It, you guys are masters too. So when, it, <laughs> when you get it from you guys, it means a lot. You guys do such beautiful work. Thank Our patients you. always come to us beautiful. So I appreciate that. Thank you. And uh, we're glad to work together to enhance their beauty. Awesome. Thank you so much thank for joining you. us. Thanks for joining. Bye-bye. Bye. Yay. Intense glow pads are here at Reverse Gravity. They're so awesome. I used mine last night. They are a 20% glycolic pad used at home to add to any skincare regimen. One pad, wipe it on at night, sleep, wake up with beautiful, clear, radiant, tight skin. They are so awesome. Come see for yourself. Intense glow pads here at Reverse Gravity. We'll see you soon.